Hello and welcome to Being Well. I'm Forrest Hansen. On this podcast and out in the world of personal development in general, there are an awful lot of ideas. So sometimes it's nice to have one simple thing to focus on. As we continue to interview guests on the podcast, we're planning on asking them for their just one thing. Just one thing they do each day to support their own happiness. In general, these episodes are pretty short. But when I asked the question of today's guest, we wandered down a really interesting rabbit hole together, and I've included all of that material in today's Just One Thing. So here's Just One Thing from Oren J. Sofer. What's the most important thing that you do each day inside your own mind for your own well-being? Well, it's probably what I just did in hearing your question, which is to pause, step back, and listen. And when I say listen, I don't mean listen with the ears. I mean, I mean, listen with my whole being. Yeah, just that, just that space. I mean, that's the fundamental shift in contemplative practice is this, this capacity to turn the attention inwards and allow there to be a space to encounter the truth of the moment. And so I think that that creating that space, taking that pause, which might be for two or three seconds, or it might be for, you know, half an hour or an hour of, of formal meditation practice. But it's that, I think in terms of consistently every day, the most important thing I do for my own well-being, it would, it would be that. That's really great. Thank you. And yeah. as a kind of soft follow-up question, what are some of the things that pull you out of that? And when you've been disrupted from that ability to step back and pause for a moment, how do you kind of find it again inside of your own mm. practice? Yeah. I think that the number one thing that pulls me away from it is the incessant pressure of our culture and society to do. In the Buddhist psychology, it's called bhavatanha, the, the force of becoming, that pressure into the future to get something done, to get somewhere, to become someone, to arrive at some point in the future where everything is done, <laughs> which just doesn't exist, is why I'm laughing. There's a wonderful Tibetan teaching that says, activities don't cease by completing them. They cease when you stop. So just being a white heterosexual male growing up in a middle-class family, I got a lot of strong doses of this kind of conditioning to perform and achieve and accomplish. So my mind can get caught in that stream of becoming and doing. So that's, I'd say, the thing that takes me out of that capacity and that space of stepping back and pausing the most. And... What reminds me, what brings me back, different things. Usually it's the body. Usually it's feeling, you know, the tension in my shoulders or my posture at the computer or the tightness in my jaw. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's another human being. And just seeing someone else or hearing someone else or my partner saying something to me. But the the one thing I can say is that it's not hard. It's not far away because, and this is the result, I think, of a couple of decades of, of practice is that in the moment of remembering, the space is already available. 
It's not like there's no work to do to actually remember or come back to that internal space of listening and being. And that's, for for me, very direct. That wasn't always the case by any means. But no matter what's happening, my practice is strong enough that the capacity to be with it is available, is there. I think that's really lovely. Thank you. So, Oren, this issue is very alive for me as well. Uh, What you said about Pawa Tanha, Tanha Mm. being thirst, craving, as you know, second noble truth in Buddhism. So the craving to become and to continually, as the brain does, it's an anticipation machine. It's continually imagining a potential future. Like right now, I'm about to lift my mug to be able to accomplish that motor act. My, you know, basically cerebellum, where about 80% or more of the neurons in our brain are situated created a little internal expectation movie of what it would feel like to lift the cup. And then the actual sensory signals coming back to me from lifting the cup let me know that I was on target and I was able to lift that cup skillfully. So we're endlessly caught up biologically to survive. And all Mm -hmm. the little squirrels living in the trees outside my house are the same. All Mother Nature's little critters are doing palatanha, as it were, (laughs) you know, craving becoming all the time. And so then the question becomes for people as we practice and we, we recognize the suffering that comes from that kind of thingifying of the future endlessly, how do we simultaneously live in a wisdom that is in real time releasing, renouncing, uh-huh. with real time insight, okay, or there, while simultaneously doing a podcast together being aware of the flow of time, recognizing that we'll be coming to an end soon, moving on to the next thing, doing the next dish, tucking the next child into bed. Yeah. Uh, how do you practice with this yourself so that you can stay in the sweet spot mm. of unattached doing while doing, in effect? Yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful question, Rick. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I think that's the koan, right? Yeah. That's the koan for the modern practitioner, for the lay householder on this path is how to be in the world, but not of it. And I can just tell you like some of the things that I'm exploring right now. And the first thing that comes to mind actually is a quote from the Buddha where somebody more or less asked him this very question. I think it's in the Sutta Nipata where someone says, how did you cross the floods? One of the floods being this tide of becoming, this pressure to get somewhere. And he said, more or less, he says, step by step, when I hurried, I was swept away. When I tarried, I sank. So there's that sense of just being right with each moment, Mm. which includes, and this is, I think, a place that the contemplative practitioners can often get idealistic and off track, moment by moment includes planning. Planning is an experience that happens in the present, as we well know, you know, being able to be aware of the future without getting lost in it or being dominated by it. So for me, some of the things that I'm practicing with right now, you know, I find that having a a daily routine of practice is really helpful, including my sort of qigong and body practice, my meditation practice. In my meditation practice, one of the things that I'm really exploring and fascinated with right now is 
on a somatic level, on the level of the felt sense, really being with the energy of pressure or rushing or doing without being caught up in it. And just observing, it's kind of this very fascinating space of both being aware of the discomfort of that pressure, even as I'm holding a space of clarity and relaxation within which that's happening. So so touching into that sense in my formal meditation practice allows me a felt reference during the day to be in the flow of activities uh, while still staying connected to myself. Yeah, thank you. That was just one thing from Orrin J. Sofer. If you'd like more simple practices like this, Dr. Rick Hansen has an ongoing free newsletter titled Just One Thing, where each week he shares one simple suggestion for greater happiness and well-being. I'll include a link to it in the description of today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's short episode, and we'll be back with another full-length one next week. Until next time, thanks for listening.